A gospel reading is from Matthew 16, verses from 21 to 28. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it. Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what he has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Today's sermon is picking from last Sunday's uh, narrative where Jesus puts those two pertinent questions to his disciples. Who do men think that Son of God is? And the next question is, who do you think? A personal question to all the disciples. Who do you think that the Son of God is? And we know the answer how Peter declares, affirms, and makes a confession, a glorious confession that you are Messiah, the Son of living God. Hearing this, we think that the disciples got it right. But today's narrative gives us a whole lot of shift from their understanding and what Jesus is going to tell them now. The disciples thought it is a revelatory moment for them. They believed, I guess, that they are the generation witnessing a culmination of God's promises that he is the Messiah because he heard the cries of the slaves in Egypt. And he also heard the earnings, the pay of captives in exile in Babylon. And he also knows the pleas of Roman subjects. So all this put together, they thought Jesus is Messiah who's going to bring the Davidic kingdom, that he's going to rule, destroy, and just chase everybody out and establish his kingdom. But Jesus comes up with another approach, with another answer to what Peter has said. He says, I'm going to suffer in the hands of the elders, scribes, and Pharisees. They're going to kill me and I'm going to die and raise on the third day. This is a 
baffling shift for the disciples to even to listen to that because that is something beyond their expectations. It's like the world moving below their feet because it is not something they expected and Jesus is projecting himself as who he is. And immediately we see Peter. I like the verse here particularly. I've always seen and read read that Jesus rebuking when somebody says, but here Peter takes Jesus aside and rebukes him saying, God forbid, don't say that. Really, Peter rebuking Jesus, he acts like a control freak here, you know? There's nothing going to happen. I'm there, I can move the world, anything for you. So this is what the approach uh, um, Peter is giving to Jesus, taking him aside and rebuking him. And now Jesus says, get behind me, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block. I was doing a little research with Greek words, get behind me, Satan. The word used in Greek, get behind me, is upego. It says, depart from me or take, retake your position. It is, if you visualize it, Peter is in front of Jesus. Up front is just standing and asking, rebuking him, saying, don't do this, don't, I'm there to take care of everything. So the word says, you have to get behind. Your position is not in front of Jesus. You have to get behind. He is the master and you are the disciple and you have to follow him. Get behind. Satan, as we know, has a lot of um, words to put together, like his attempter, advisory, but precisely here it is the tempter. Because in the wilderness, we've seen Satan offering everything just jump, just do this. I'm there to take care of you. So, in this connection, Jesus is saying, Get behind me, Satan, because Peter is trying to push Jesus or shift or deflect his path his journey to Jerusalem. So, upego, it is get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block. We all know like stumbling block is something it will make you to stumble. Again, the Greek here is a, literally a rock where Jesus saying Peter is a stumbling block means he's trying to avert Jesus not doing the plan, what, she's, what God had intended Jesus to do. So he has become a stumbling block there where he's stopping Jesus not to continue with the divine plan. So these are the words which it really um, surprises me because Jesus, when Peter confesses that you are the living God, Jesus blesses him. Blessed are you, the son of Jonah, and he gives him all the authority, the privilege. What you open here, it will be opened in the heaven. What you close here, it will be closed. It's all, it's you. And this guy now, like, has become a Satan, a stumbling block, and then he just has to get behind because his position is not right in giving that advice or counsel to Jesus. And now we move to a 
slightly a different uh, shift from what we have heard of Jesus uh, talking to Peter. And this is the crux verse of this passage. He says, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself or herself, take up the cross and follow me. Take up the cross and follow me. It is interesting because in all the versions, it, it is like a general call, if anyone wants to follow me. But in Greek, it is a personal call. It, you, you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. If you want to follow Jesus, you have to deny yourself, take up the cross and follow him. In Luke's gospel, it is take up the cross daily and every day and follow him. This verse is remarkable in its brevity and extremity because it teaches discipleship, it teaches self-denial, and it teaches what it means to die for Jesus. Sometimes I really wonder with this verse I can, how I can really preach a short sermon because all three has its own uh, intensity and volume and richness in the meaning and text. So to begin with, when Jesus says that, I think it is not the suffering Messiah that, that made um, Peter to freak out or take that uh, control of that position. For Peter, what bothered him was the cross. Suffer and die, the cross. Cross for long has been an emblem of shame and suffering. And it is not just shame and suffering, but it demonstrates the Roman power and authority. It is like saying who is in control. So maybe that made Peter to worry that it is going to, because he was expecting some glory, but here you are going to face some shame, suffering, and self-denial. The only way to overcome this fear of cross is to make your way of life as the way of cross. Sometime back I preached a sermon, how our lives should become a cruciform. Take the shape of the cross. So the suffering, the shame, the disgrace, everything becomes part of you. You're ready to die, you're, di you're ready to suffer, you're ready to be disgraced by other people because of Christ, because of God. So when you make the cross as a way of life, you follow into the steps where God will reveal about yourself. Here, the problem Peter is encountering is between his self and God. He thinks he's independent, self-reliant, and self-interest. There's no harm in it, but when you see the purpose of Jesus dying on the cross, reveals the depth of his compassion and love to humanity, to you and to me. So having witnessed that saving power and that redemption, that will take you in a way where this self-fulfillment will end up with self-denial. The way to self-fulfillment is the way to self-denial. 
There's no wrong in saying in self-interest, but the question is, in what kind of self are you interested? In what kind of self? Is your life self-centered life or Christ-centered life? These two distinction or the difference if you're able to make, our lives will be lives where we'll be following Christ. By denying self, I'm not saying that you have to deny your worth or your value as child of God, but rather it's an affirmation. When you deny yourself, you find the worth of you in the voice of others in standing with others, with the homeless, with the people who are helpless. So self-denial is, it's not just losing yourself, finding your worth in others, helping them in justice, in peace, in love. Any church, if they're doing mission, worship, ministry, learning, helping, everything should be Christ-centered. Because only when we lose ourselves for Christ, we will gain. We will gain in walking towards the cross, towards that path of self-denial, discipleship. May God bless these words, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.